I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 64. So if you would open your Bibles to Psalm 64. Psalm 64, the title of my message this evening is A War of Words. A War of Words. Let's read God's holy, inerrant word. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers, who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of lying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search, for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exalt. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active. Lord, we thank you that every single week, Lord, even twice a week on Sunday, we get to hear from you, from your word. Lord, we get to know you and love you better. Lord, we get to be blessed by your word. We thank you so much for that opportunity. Lord, as we hear your word this evening, give us open ears, open eyes. Lord, mold our hearts. Please. Give your gracious presence, Lord, that we might know you and love you more and love our neighbor. Praise on Jesus' name. Amen. As I grow up, there is one thing that I have recently um, understood more and more. And that is the power of words. We can really tear people down with words. Or... We can really encourage and love people with words. I often think of how horribly evil I was to my younger brother when I was younger, when I was a teenager. Telling him, oh, you look funny, or you're slow, or you're dumb, or you suck at this or that. And of course, I was always so focused on myself that I didn't see how that affected my brother. But now... As I watch parenting conferences or see similar things as an adult, I realize how much this must have affected my brother. I watch a movie where a kid just feels horrible because of what other kids are talking to him or saying to him. And I picture how Cam must have felt. The power of words is incredible. Whether you yell at your wife or tell her you love her. How you discipline your children. Whether you're implicitly telling them that they should be ashamed or that they'll never be good enough. Or if you're telling them that you love them unconditionally and want to see them grow. I've recently been thinking of the effect of words 
on uh, middle school and high school students throughout the day from social media to TV commercials to uh, parents and friends and students at school all day they hear hurtful lies. Lies such as you are not loved, you are not beautiful, you're not worthy of my time or my energy or my love, you are trouble. You're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. You're dirty. You should be ashamed of who you are. You're not right. You're going to be alone forever. You should just run away. Horribly evil, hurtful words and yet statements that are not at all uncommon in our culture. That hurts. These words sting, especially when we hear them over and over throughout the day. Week after week, and as we play those in our minds, in weeks to come, months to come, remembering what evil, hurtful words we've heard. With those words, I imagine a high school girl who has no self-worth, scared of opening up to anyone, scared of friendships. I picture her heart so punctured, so torn, as she's unable to really seek out love and friendships and relationships. Rather, she hides herself between, behind headphones and sunglasses and a hoodie, anything to tell others to stay away. Words have great power. And as we open up Psalm 64, we see David crying out for help. As David is being bombarded by words. We see in this text that David is not being attacked physically, but that he's being attacked from the evil one with words. And here we're given an insight into how the devil attacks God's people. Most often, Satan does not attack us through physical trials, but often the devil attacks us through plotting and scheming and deception and accusations. We know that because David has written a psalm that he was attacked by words, we know Jesus was attacked by scheming and plotting in words. And this is true for us as well. That the enemy attacks us through this scheming, this plotting, and words to kill. Here in Psalm 64, we see the enemy of David set on attacking with words. But, there's a great but in the text. But God has a more powerful word. A word that ends the rampage of the evil one and brings the victory. So this evening, we're going to look at Psalm 64 through two separate points. First, verses 1 through 6, a cry for help. And then verses 7 through 10, God's deliverance. So first, a cry for help in verses 1 through 6. And then God's deliverance in verses 7 through 10. So this psalm begins with David being attacked. Here he cries out to the Lord, Lord, I need you. I need your help. In verse 1, he asks the Lord to hear his voice and to preserve him. In verse 2, he asks that the Lord would hide him from the secret plots of the wicked. These two verses are the request that David has for the Lord. And beginning in verse 2 as well, David begins to describe the enemy. Now, David doesn't tell us the historical event behind his plea. He doesn't tell us who's attacking us. Who's attacking him, but he does tell us what's happening. 
David's enemy has a secret plot against him. The enemy has sharpened their tongues like swords. They have aimed bitter words at David like arrows. Notice in verse 2 and 3 that the weapon that the enemy wields is not a physical weapon, but the weapon of words. Now again, we don't have an explicit reference to a specific event in David's life uh, that corresponds with this psalm. But as some commentators point out, it's hard not to think that this psalm would be in reference to 2 Samuel 15. In 2 Samuel 15, David's son Absalom conspires with men to dethrone and to murder David. We see Absalom during a four-year span speaking deceitful and manipulating words to people who are coming into the gate of the city. As they come into the city, he stops them and tells them, David is not going to do this for you, but I will do this for you, manipulating over and over for four years. We see in verse 12 of 2 Samuel 15 that this conspiracy grew. And Absalom, uh, the people with Absalom, kept increasing. Now why was Absalom speaking against his father? Well, he knew that the words that he spoke, the deception and the lies, would steal the hearts of the men of Israel. And that's exactly what happened. We see Absalom, as says in 2 Samuel 15, verse 6, stole the hearts of the men of Israel, no longer desiring to follow after David, but following now after Absalom. And in verse 13, David says, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Now, words are powerful because they shape our affections and our hearts and our love. Words can direct our hearts and our minds. So David's being attacked from every side by the arrows of the enemy. They have sharpened their tongues. They have their bitter, bitter words aimed at him like arrows. And the thing is, this enemy is more powerful than David. They have a better plan. They came when David least expected it. And they came to kill David. This experience that David is explaining is real and historical. This psalm is true and actually happened. David is crying out to the Lord as he's being attacked. Attacked from every side by an enemy that's stronger than him. With weapons that David cannot fight against. So David's cry here is a historical cry against real enemies. But this psalm also points to a biblical truth far wider than David's physical enemies. Again, David doesn't recount a historical event. He doesn't tell us who's attacking him, but he does explain why and how they're attacking him. So David, uh, I, uh, when studying this, I picture David sitting down. To write a poem, right, as it's a song, to speak about what's happening in his life. And he points to one specific truth. David points to this truth, that we are in a war of words, and that words are powerful. David is speaking to the spiritual reality of a, word, of a world full of words that are flying around us, landing beside us, hitting our loved ones, scratching our own skin. David uses poetry here in his own experience through the inspiration of the Spirit to speak of the reality of the war that we are in. 
And we know the power of words, not only from Scripture, but we also see in history itself. What is the most powerful weapon throughout all of history? It's not the sword. It's not the arrow. It's not even nuclear missiles. The most powerful weapon is the word. Hitler is a prime example of this. His most powerful weapon was that he could manipulate people through propaganda in order to convince their hearts to desire in their heart the thing that Hitler desired. He changed people's thinking through words to create a nation that would do whatever he wanted them to do. And as David is the Lord's anointed, we know who's behind David's enemy. And that is the father of lies. The father of lies is attacking David. And the devil's attack is based on these deceitful words. In, verse, uh, in John 8, verse 44, Jesus calls Satan a liar and gives him the name father of lies. Satan is also described in Revelation 12 as the accuser and the deceiver. And of course, in Genesis 3, we see uh, Satan come to Adam and Eve, not through a physical punishment that he's going to give them if they don't eat the apple, but through deceit, through crafty words. And in the New Testament, of course, we see people trying to destroy Jesus over and over through schemes and traps, trying to catch him, trying to slip him up. And David gives us more insight in verses 4 through 6 where he describes how this war is fought. The enemy uses words to attack David when he's least expecting it and from every angle. In other words, David is in ambush. It says that they are shooting from ambush. They're shooting at him suddenly and without fear. And they're encouraging themselves. They're patting themselves on the back. How good their evil plan is. No one's going to be able to see them. No one's going to be able to figure out what they're doing against David. They say we have a perfect scheme. They've accomplished a diligent search. They're saying that this war in their heart, they're deep in knowledge. One commentator says that they're so confident and they're so sure of their plans on the basis of their wisdom. They're such deep thinkers. Their minds are so sharp. That's what they're saying to themselves. David is pointing out for his readers that not only is the devil attacking God's people with words, but that they've thought of a really good way to bring about his destruction. They're organized. They figured out the logical steps necessary to bring about this specific end, to bring about the death of David. And the devil is aiming to kill him. So we picture this as a war zone. The enemy is hiding behind rocks. And, and we, David and God's people, walk through this path. And all of a sudden, the enemy is shooting at us without fear. Because they're hidden, or, or at least they think they're hidden. And they're shooting at us to kill us. They want to bring us down. Oh, how we too, as God's people, are attacked by words. To kill us. To make us miserable. To bring all joy and peace and love out of our lives. I'm sure if you thought about it for just a minute, you could think of lies 
that you heard or that you told yourself just this very week. They take us away from Jesus. The devil loves to tell us lies, externally and internally. And he loves to keep those lies playing on repeat over and over in order to kill us. Sometimes the verbal attacks are so that we would sin and that we would think less of God. So one thought that you might have had this week is, I've had a really busy day today. I'm too busy to read God's Word. Or, it's not that bad that I yelled at my children because their sin was so bad. Or, I don't need to play with my kids or spend time with my wife because I just spent all day caring for them and providing for their needs. So we hear lies and we speak lies to ourselves um, about sinning and thinking less of God. But we also hear lies about who we are. This week you might have thought to yourself that you're worthless or that you can't believe that you're like this or that you're hopeless and helpless. It is when David was threatened like this, just about destroyed by the devil, that he cries out to the Lord. He cries out, preserve my life. Bring me back to the truth. Bring me out of his grasp. Lord, he's killing me through these words and I need your help. And this should be how we cry out to the Lord as we're being attacked by lies. Our prayer should be, I dread what these voices are doing to me. Hide me from them because they're destroying me. How often I sin and I hate God and I follow after the devil and his lies. I need to confess to God. I need to run to Him, take refuge in Him. We should be crying out because in verse 7... It doesn't open with, but David. Rather, it opens with, but God. David cries out to the Lord, Lord, I need you. And in verse 7, out of nowhere, as David's being attacked and ambushed, as the enemy is hiding and shooting at him, David cries out for help. He knows he can't win on his own. He knows the power of the enemy that he's facing. And as the devil come, comes, God comes to David's aid. And God shoots his arrow at the enemy. And they are wounded suddenly. Here we see in verses 7 through 10, God's deliverance. We see in verse 7 that God shoots his arrow at them. He shoots at them and they are suddenly wounded. And they're brought to ruin with their own weapons. As David used Goliath's sword to take off Goliath's head, so the Lord uses the enemy's weapon and turns it on the enemy. And in verse 8 it says, All who see them will wag their heads. They'll be astonished at, what, at what's happened, at the Lord's deliverance. And in verse 9, All mankind fears they tell what God has brought about and they ponder what He has done. In this war of words, we see the Lord's answer to the lies and the deception and the deceit and the hate of the enemy. The Lord responds with crushing the enemy with His own arrow, with His own word. 
which also is pointed to in Isaiah 49, verses 1 and 2. In Isaiah, uh, he speaks forward to this person who's going to come, this servant that the Old Testament believers were looking forward to. So Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 2 say this. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. We see that this servant is going to be a sword and an arrow in the hand of the Lord. So we can't help but think of the word made flesh as the Lord's response to these lies. The ultimate defeater of the father of lies. The defeater of the devil. The one in whom we have ultimate victory. Here the spirit through David's words is pointing forward to Jesus. Who is the word of life. God's response to the fall. Jesus has shown his power against the, the words of the evil ones over and over. We see Jesus in Matthew 4 resist the devil in his schemes and his lies. We see Jesus throughout the New Testament casting out demons with a single word. Healing with just words. He is the great teacher. He's the one who brings about the good news. This Jesus is God's answer to the devil's schemes and lies. It was not by military force nor physical weapons. Jesus was victorious through dying on the cross. He took our sins on him, canceled those sins, paid a uh, totally paid for our sins and rose from the grave three days later. So if you're in Christ, all the lies that the devil tells about you now are just that. Lies. The statement, you are not loved, is a lie. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could be loved. Immensely loved. Eternally loved by your God and your Father. And he is your father. So no matter how the devil tells you that you're ugly, you are beautiful. You're precious. You're amazing in the eyes of your father. The voice in your head telling you you're not worthy is a lie. The Lord showed you just how worthy you are when he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. He killed his son for you. You will never be good enough has also shown to be a lie. He declares to you that you are a child of the king, righteous, loved, blessed. The cross declares upon you your new reality and shows that everything that the devil speaks to you is a lie. Now, if you're being attacked by the lies of the devil and the world, and if you're sinking in these lies, convinced of these lies, if you are sad and just not fulfilled, 
angry with who you are and those around you, if you're ashamed of who you are, if you don't know Jesus and the good news of the gospel in your life, then tonight come to this word. I hope that your ears are open to hear the better words spoken tonight. Cry out to the Lord. Ask Him that this word would be effective for you. Ask Him that you might be a part of this community of people that hear the lies but know the ultimate truth. That they're loved. That they're cared for. That they're important. That they're eternally whole. Ask Jesus into your life tonight and experience the freedom of truth. The truth of the gospel and watch your sins be washed away. And for those of us who do believe in Jesus Christ, we're called in verse 9 and 10 to turn our prayers, the prayer that Jesus, uh, that David had, uh, uh, seeking the Lord, crying out to the Lord, now as we see this deliverance, we're to turn those prayers into praise. Rejoice in the Lord, take refuge in Him, and exalt in Him. You're being attacked every day with words, yet we have a more powerful word. And that word we are told to meditate on, to declare, to point out, to tell others about. We have to respond to this great deliverance, to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the word made flesh, to give us life through worshiping. That's how we respond. But as we go through this life, as we do have victory, yet there's still battles going on every day. We have not fully realized the victory that Jesus has won. The devil still accuses you and I. You and I still hear lies daily about who we are, about who God is, about our purpose here in life. Jesus has given himself as a sacrifice, though. He's given us life. And not only that, He has given us weapons to take up arms in this fight. That we might continue to fight back the devil with the, with the weapons He has given us. And of course, these weapons are based on words as well. First of all, we have the weapon of God's word. A far greater weapon than the lies of the world. As you hear lies day by day, remind yourself, I need, I need to stop hearing these lies. And I need to go to God's Word and hear truth. <clears throat> In the Bible, we have truth that we can come to daily to remind us of who God is and who we are and our purpose here in life. Not only do we have the Word of God. But as David cries out, he lifts his own voice and uses words and praise to the Lord. So we, as we are in this war of words, we need to be taking up arms as we beg God that we would not hear the lies. Or that we hear the lies, but that they wouldn't have any effect on us. We need to defend ourselves from the enemy through our God and our Father who loves us and who loves to keep us safe. So that's two things. First, the word and then prayer. But also, thirdly, we have the weapon of song. This song is a song. It's a song 
of the chief musician. The Lord has given you and I songs as a response to the lies that we hear. So we see what the Lord has done and we respond in rejoicing. We're overcome with joy in this redemption. We see the deliverance. And we don't go back to the lies, but we see the deliverance and we respond in singing. Verse 10 calls us to be glad, to trust in Him, to exalt in Him. Why, why are you and I emotionally moved by music? I don't think it's the tune. I don't think it's the pretty people that usually stand up um, and, and lead the music. But it's for God, but for God's people, singing is emotional. It brings tears to our eyes oftentimes. As we reconsider his word and as we respond in praise. So as we hear God's word and the truth of it and the glory of Jesus' death and resurrection for us, and we sing those truths. We can't help but be overwhelmed. It's the perfect response to hearing truth. That we would sing those praises to God. That we would be overwhelmed by the joy of what Jesus has done for us. We were going to die. God sent His arrow, His word, Jesus. And how can we not be overcome by gladness? Trusting God, glorifying Him in song. And how then can our emotions not be moved as we're reminded of what he has done for us? So take up God's word, take up prayer, and take up singing to the Lord as we continue to fight in this war. Fight back with the words that we have been given. For the words that the Lord wants you to hear are far sweeter, far more amazing than anything else we could ever hear. So David knows God's goodness. David knows God's mercy. And David knows God's power, as I assume most of you do as well. That you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the power of Jesus, the living word. You know that he's defending you and that he holds you. So David knew his problem, that he was being attacked by words, and he also knew the solution. And yet, he cries out to the Lord. It was not enough for David just to know the answer. He still cries out to the Lord. And, because he, and he cries out because he is still suffering, even though he knows the answer. He cries out to the Lord to help him. Because even with knowing the answer, the problem is still real and is still hard. The psalm does not describe the attack of Satan and the counterattack of the Lord through his son in order to now say um, it's easy. That you'll hear lies, but that's going to be easy to ignore because of Jesus. You know the threat and you know the solution. Rather, this psalm is here for you and I, for God's people today, to remind us how hard this battle is. Most of you 
have, have either been someone or known someone who has had the worst of words come into their minds. That this life is no longer for them. Many of you know people who have contemplated plans to end their own lives. Suicidal thoughts are part of this war. And they show the severity and the reality of the lies of the devil. And we are in this war as well. The devil speaking to us is real and it's devastating. Oftentimes we're called to wait on the Lord. We hear the words and we're called to wait. We come to him and we pray just as exactly as David is doing here, using our voices against the voices of the enemy. We get support from others, but ultimately we have to wait for the Lord to bring his special felt presence back into our lives in order to bring the lies to an end. And sometimes in these horrible situations of deep depression, that's exactly what we need to know. That though you are suffering, though you're being attacked by lies, though you already know that Jesus died on the cross, you know the truth. Yet, as we are being attacked, we need to know that we will have the victory. Even if it doesn't feel like it. Even if God is withholding His hand of protection from us for the moment, yet we cry out to Him. We have confidence in God. We wait on Him because He is victorious. We are not promised here that God will bring an end to every trial right away as we come to Him. I'm sure there are many people in here who still struggle with depression and thoughts that I'm just not good enough. We're not promised here that God will bring away those trials. He doesn't promise us that if you pray enough and if you read your Bible enough and if you sing enough, all of that will go away. But what He does promise is that the devil will never fully take control of your heart. He does promise that you will never fully be destroyed. He does promise that He has been victorious. That He reigns now. And that is our confidence and our hope and our joy. That's how we wait. So if you're struggling with the lies of the devil, in this time of waiting, we go to God in His Word. We go to God in prayer. We surround ourselves with people who love us and can speak uh, truth into our lives. And we wait with confidence, knowing that He who has been victorious will bring us into His victory as well. Brothers and sisters, know the truth and the reality of the war of wor words that you're in. That the devil is attacking you and your families daily. Every hour. But also know that Jesus gave us the victory. Be glad. Trust in Him. And glorify in His salvation. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You so much that in this world, 
with all the lies and with all the scheming, with all the deceit that the world brings, or the devil brings, Lord, that we hear even in our own minds. We thank you so much that we're not left alone, but that we can cry out to a God, a God who has been victorious, and a God who loves us and has shown us his love in sending his Son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, we praise you so much. We thank you so much. Lord, open our eyes to the lies that we are hearing every day. Lord, help us to run to truth. Lord, help us to glorify, glory in you, to glorify you. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the word of Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.